Hi, everybody. It's Elle here. And I just want to give a quick shout out to our partners and our supporters and the people that edit and put this show together over at Pretty Easy Podcasts. Now, we get a lot of compliments on how the show sounds and how it looks on YouTube, but that would not be without Pretty Easy Podcasts and the amazing team that they have. If you are looking to create your own podcast or maybe you have some ideas of some social media endeavors, Pretty Easy Podcasts has the technology, the equipment, and the skills to make your podcast sound great at your own disposal at your own time so record from home your office a park wherever they will help you out please give them a email at prettyeasypodcast.com once again that is prettyeasypodcast.com and thanks for listening Well, everybody, um, just as you predicted, so shall it be. We're back with season two, Queer Late Night, and I'm so happy to welcome you back to a safe space in which we invite more queer people and from the queer culture and the allies sometimes to come on to Queer Late Night and share their gospel, their experience, whether it's professional or personal. Um, just be a little bit of insightfulness for our culture, yeah. And I'm so proud to be here. My name is Elle McCullers. I'm the executive producer. That's right. I, I get to name myself now. Executive producer and host of uh, Queer Late Night. And I get to share this space with my best friend, my good Judy, the thing that goes bump in the night. I'm pretty sure she stole my credit card. Miss Ricky Roman. Oh, yeah, I have that button. <laughs> Man, I love I'm the budget. I'm going to do it with my mouth anymore. The budget's gone up in season two, mama. You don't got to use your mouth no more. I know. Not well. Um, <clears throat> I guess, how are you doing today? I am well. Blessed and highly favored, baby. Thank you for, you know, allowing me to be here in your space. I live upstairs. You have no choice. And here we are. I, I always <laughs> wanted to work with you, so I'm really happy that you woke up at 2 p.m. Um, <laughs> hey, it's, it's the weekend, right? You know that don't matter to me, though. That doesn't matter to you. How... Um, <laughs> Ask me something about myself. Um, ooh. Did you just get a haircut? Bitch, I told you that before the show started. I, hmm. I, I felt like one of those wives. I was like, so you're not going to say nothing nice about <laughs> subtle changes I've made? He's been getting so, he's been keeping up with these haircuts so frequently that I'm like, it's always fresh. I don't know what you want me to say. There was I no growing. There was I no growing. I want you to say, ooh, new wig, 24 inches every single time. Got you. Thank you. Um, and we get to share this space with none other. We're not going to do the introduction first. We're going to just say, we can share this space with Dr. Ferguson. Hi. Hey, girl. Yeah. Long applause. Just a long applause. I know from the big, last. Big studio audience. Big studio yeah, audience. It's a lot of people over here. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I just realized that's that's that ring from the uh, from the bracelet set. That's Oh my God, I'm so, do you have a matching <laughs> ring too? Dr. Ferguson's husband's also here as well, everybody. Say hi. Hey. How are you doing? Excellent. Thank you for having me as well. Thank you so much. Uh, but let's get back to this ring. That's a nice ring. <laughs> oh, this whole thing? That old thing. Somebody was sitting next to me last night at a dinner and they were, um, 
because I have the same. I have the bracelet, of course. You know, don't what, of course you do. What's the thing about the ring? Well, it's a Cartier. Oh, it's a Cartier okay. love ring. Okay, oh, that's right. You know that um, bracelet with the Cartier bracelet? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's not obviously from the Cartier store. Okay. And someone was <laughs> showing me that the real way that it's taken off the real one is that you have to unscrew it. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's funny. I only have to unclack mine, and then <laughs> <laughs> and bam, right? It's off. Okay. Now this explains it. So Ricky, when I was talking to Dr. Ferguson, when I uh, visually invited him to mm. do the show, I was like, you know, I was just trying to be diplomatic and do the diplomatic things. And you want to, cause he said New Jersey. And I was like, Ooh, switch my wig. We can <laughs> afford that. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, you know, I tried, I started uh, talking about, you know, the path train mm-hmm. and you know, how to wait. And uh, it was immediate response. And she said, shut up, poor, I have a car. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was like public transportation. <laughs> All right. I was like, Oh, you don't you, uh, no. Okay, so and the Cartier. Okay, now we got it all. Bless. I, I, I'm already like okay. I have someone to look up to. I'm gonna get myself right. the real bracelet one day. I know that. Really, right. night will be so successful that I'm gonna walk into the store. You better claim and it. just put the money down. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not obviously gonna be wearing the ring anytime soon, but that's a very different that's story. Okay. <laughs> Would you like to take us away with your queer news? All right. Boop boop boop. Oh wait, there's a button for that. So corny. You can't hear them. You can't hear the sound. <laughs> okay, this uh, this little tidbit comes to us via Joseph Longo at them.com. People Magazine is again naming the sexiest men alive, and for the first time ever, has included a trans man um, by the name of Brian Michael Smith, yeah. currently starring on Fox's Nine One One Lone Star. Okay, and amongst other queer representation, we've had. LGBT plus representation, very, you know, minimally, but it's pretty iconic that, uh, to have the T. Yeah. The T included this time. Um, He himself shared a photo on Instagram in calling the inclusion historic, and I agree and applaud him very much. Yay. Hit the applause button. (laughs) The applause? Do you have Uh, one? Thanks. That sounds like an applause. (laughs) Um, Wait, is there more? I see little Nas is in here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Honorable honorable mentions include Lil Nas X and Ricky Martin. Those are are the other two, the other two of our fam that are included. We love to see it. I like that. Um, Being that it's a new year, Happy New Year, everyone. Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year! Okay, you guys went right along with that. Okay. <laughs> Are you guys Drag Race fans? Absolutely. Are you excited about? Did you see the announcement? Did you? Are you the excited teaser? About, I'm so excited. So far, um, just from what? Because the show hasn't aired yet. Who are you rooting for? Um, I don't know their names yet. Okay, yeah. I'm rooting for everybody black, uh, first yeah. of all. Everybody black. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think I saw three black queens. Yes. Uh-huh. So I'm rooting for all of them. Yes. But then I also recently saw that there's a cishead male yes. drag queen That's there. what I heard at the gym today. <laughs> On this season? On this season, On this maybe. season. So I'm really curious right. to see what she does. You know what RuPaul said? I know that y'all are tired of seeing... <laughs> every drag race that I have for you. She's like, so why not spice up this sure. one? She's like, I'm about to cause drama. <laughs> I um, I can't wait to see. And apparently there's going to be like a, they're taking the theme of Willy Wonka. It's going to be like. I did see that. Candy, candy style. Candy style. Candy crushing. I, I have to respect RuPaul. She'll frack and keep she, <laughs> everything. She will do whatever it takes to keep the money in her pocket. Uh, good for her. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, well, we're here 
you know, we're here to that part of the show where I get to ask, start to get to know the guests of the hour. Um, did you, by the way, Chris, did you like my my new setup? As far as now, I have a I desk. I love it, bitch. Look at you over there. Yeah, who I'm is in, that? Seth I'm Myers? in charge. Uh-huh. Seth Myers. <laughs> Seth Rogan. Uh, <laughs> it's Joe a, Rogan over Joe there. Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong don't don't do I'm me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he, he started podcasting, by the way. He's the real reason that. No, I mean, that's, that's that's that was the yes, and that's I know. and that's it. That's all we're gonna talk about him. It's not a quick question. No, it sure isn't. Oh, all right. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, no, that's not. I misunderstood you. It's okay. You continue. Queer question of the day. Are you ready for your queer question? Surprise, I'm here for it. motherfucker. Good. All right. Um, queer question is, what is your most important part of the day, Dr. Ferguson? Um, my most important part of the day would be the morning, the a.m. Really? Yeah. Why? Uh, I should have put why. <laughs> right? Um, no, so I, I love the morning. That's where I do my workouts. That's where I um, have my me time. My okay. husband is a little bit of a late sleeper, so I typically have an hour, maybe two hours in the morning to work out, be on social media, decompress, and just chillax before I actually start my day. Two mm-hmm. hours in the morning? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like 7.30 to about 9.30. Oh wow! Nine nine thirty is nice. Yeah, that I mean I've tried the whole morning routine. Mm-hmm. It's awful. <laughs> it's not like the best, but it's okay. You know, it's awful in the winter because you got to get up mm, and get bitch. you got to get up out of your bed, and then you that first brisk of coldness, freeze your yeah. pinkies off. Then yep. you start thinking like, okay, so what's the bathroom temperature going to be like? Right, oh, right. So then you get in there, and you're like, okay, well this is definitely cold too. <laughs> What's the outside time? You gotta ask Siri. Um, I don't know, Chris. What? Um, sorry. What's your best? What's your best part of the day? My best part of the day. Oh, what do you? You like? know, there was a time I did get up in the morning, mm. but what was that? it was a, a, a few moons ago, and I liked my routine. I did when I used to work at the hospital. I used to work in food service. I would get up at four thirty before my uh, uh before the gig at six to go to the gym yes true and i was so snatched baby he was i she lived, was so i lived underneath you that, at that time <laughs> she would get out of the gig to go home to get dressed for work to do the i would be like it was crazy it was, it was crazy, crazy. but it, i had a good schedule it was you know that there, was there, was, there was structure in my life. Not that there isn't now, but it's different. Now, my favorite part of the, part of the day is probably around midnight because that's what I'm doing. Um, Devil's work. Yeah, but like I, I'm, I'm not... I'm introspective in a way that my mind... It's when I'm the most creative, I feel like. I, okay. really, I, I write a lot of stuff around that time. You write lots of stuff. I like mm-hmm. that. She switched the whole game up. She said, yeah, that's 12 right. o'clock, <laughs> I'm about to start writing. I like that. Yeah. Um, my favorite part of the day would probably have to be the middle of the day. Why? Okay. Because I can start thinking about what I'm going to do. Because it's always that second win part. Oh, sure. yeah. Because like, I'm normally through. like, honestly, I'm the most productive from like 11 to um, 11.59. Just yep. be honest. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the middle part of the day, I'm starting like, so what am I going to have a dinner tonight? And like, can I go to the gym? Like planning the aftermath. Yes. Kind of wish that, I honestly want to advocate for this. I really wish that the normal work schedule was from a, a 12 hour or 10 hour schedule and we had three days off. Yeah. Not a lot of people like that. When I was in the military, no, like it worked that. out. Yeah. 12 hours on, boom, get sure, it over with. Sure. 12 hours with your coworker you can't stand. <laughs> <laughs> you like that. Well, wait, well, we have to, 
this one person in the room what's your favorite part of the day yeah you know i'm aligned with you like that middle part of the day five mm. o'clock getting the chance to just like shut off the work moment is everything mm, mm, mm. it's the best I, I like that part mm. um well, there's our queer questions. So, you know, now you know what time of the day that we like. It's a new year. It's a new you. Everyone hears it. Everyone says it all the time. But is it actually factual? Um, no. <laughs> Going into creating season two, I wanted to spend some more time on um, mindfulness, you know, mental health, things that we don't necessarily talk about or we feel alone in the situation. Or maybe we feel like, oh, it's just me and my good Judy. But guess what? Everybody has something to do with something about mental health, mindfulness, no matter what you're in, situation you're in, you're not alone. So we're going to open up season two with thinking about mental health and um, understanding anxiety and depression. It's January and let's face it, everyone has, you know, their New Year's resolutions, their goals, their ideas for how they want to structure the rest of their year. You also are thinking about how last year you didn't get to do certain things and how that plays into your life and how that affects you. Um, going into this, I want more people, not I want more people, but you know, take a beat, understand what depression and mental health is and how those things work when it plays out to planning success and how you to, how to address those and, and, um, and understand them because you know what for me depression lives in my life but when i immediately understand that that's thing it helped me figure out coping strategies and ways to think about how to think it sounds like a, a lot but it is a lot but i'm not a doctor i'm not a doctor but i am fortunate enough to have a doctor in the room so in season two i have made a vow that i will not stutter and stumble all over um anyone's introduction and if i do i'll just edit it out of the show that's what mm. i'll do last year last season i kept it in last year i kept it in um also before we go any farther last year we started the show around your birthday so happy belated birthday ricky roman oh thank you you're welcome <laughs> happy belated thank you thank you how's it feel to be 30 i'm sorry mm, <laughs> you know awful we're here this is queer late night subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform or watch episodes on YouTube by searching Queer Late Night. And now, back to the show. Without further ado, I would like to introduce to you Dr. Ferguson. Dr. Ferguson is an intersectional teacher of all courses through the social and justice lens. He's earned his master's of arts in rehabilitation and mental health counseling from the University of South Florida and his doctorate of philosophy and counseling from Mount St. Clair University. Dr. Ferguson is a full-time faculty member of graduate counseling program at Cenedary University located in Hackensack, New Jersey. Dr. Ferguson expires to contribute to the diversity and readiness sorry, of counseling. Shut the fuck <laughs> Counseling film preparing counselors and training in cultural, responsive, and intersectionality in underserved communities. He believes that we effectively prepare counselors for tomorrow. We all are more likely to have a better future. I, I um, didn't put in all the work that you do at youth, but I definitely commend you because I grew up without any counseling or access to that. And I didn't know what that meant for a very long time. Sure. We would go through the rest of my life and become 30 and toxic. Uh, never mind. <laughs> but um, no, I'm not toxic. Don't say that. Um, but 
welcome to the show and thank you for what you do. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So let's get into getting to know you. Where does a Dr. Ferguson come from? Hmm. Great, great question. So um, I hail from the beautiful island of Jamaica. I was, I was okay. born in the Caribbean. I was born in Jamaica. I migrated to the States when I was about nine and um, grew up in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Okay. And I went to school in USF, as you saw, and I've moved to the New York City area in seven years now. Seven oh. years now, 20, 20, 30, 2013, almost eight years. So. Almost eight years. Yeah. And you said Florida, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when are they gonna break off? Girl. <laughs> um, that's nice. So what, you know, we're not gonna go down the whole trail but what really inspired you to initially want to become a mental health counselor sure so one of the things that inspired me was um, when I was about 13 or 14 my parents got a separation and eventually got a divorce and I was living with my dad and I saw full hand like what that divorce or what that separation could look like and how it impacted him and you know as a 13 year old he would come home and cry to me and we would talk and he would share like to some extent you know what he was going through but i was the person he was talking to oh I, you know as as at 13, at 13 right so um interestingly enough he wasn't going to a therapist he wasn't really talking to a lot of people about what was happening it was me and and i've always been that person that's the first time i can think of but i've always been that person with a lot of my friends yeah that they would come to around their relationship problems their personal challenges all that stuff so i guess i was a good listener that's good <laughs> uh but coming from a caribbean background i didn't know there was a there was a uh um career in counseling no so i actually didn't find out that i wanted to be a counselor until my last semester of my undergrad Really? Mm -hmm. well, wait, what was your undergrad in? So my undergrad is in um, communications. Okay. Interpersonal and organizational communications. Okay. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. And what, okay, let's go take a step back. So you've yeah. always been the person that everyone's come to mm -hmm. to talk about their things. What's your sign? I'm a Scorpio. Okay. And that's all I'm going to say. I know <laughs> people are always waiting for that rebuttal and I'm a Leo and I know nothing about anybody other than myself. Are you a Scorpio? Oh, oh, it was another S S word. How did you know he was Sagittarius? Because he just you had just, a birthday. You just said it was my birthday. I don't like how you got. <laughs> I got you, Ricky. Thank you. Look, I also can't tell you more about like the intersectionality of those, how those signs interact. But I could tell you the general month. I'm like, oh, at least yeah. you're this. Oh, I only know if you buy into that. And I know. don't know why I always I always confuse Sagittarius with Scorpio, but I also have. Well, they're next to each other. Yeah. Are they? Yeah. I was, okay. I don't even ask you about the food from Florida because I lived in Miami before. Let's I, talk about the food from Jamaica. Right. Let's talk about the Jamaican <laughs> food. Uh, please tell me about your Jamaican food. It's amazing. Can you cook? Um, uh, yeah, I cook. What's your favorite thing to make? Uh, so the thing I can make without ever ruining it is curry chicken. Mm. Curry chicken, white oh rice. I can cook it in my sleep. Mm. Really? Mm. Is it good? Delicious. Okay. Yes. Okay. It's every it's the time. Curry. Yeah. It's just. I have a question day. for you. What's the? Bring your microphone a little closer. What's the first meal Dr. Ferguson ever made you? I actually want to say it was either curry chicken or curry shrimp. Mm. Mm, yeah. I'm oh, pretty sure curry. in like 2007. Mm, that's so good right yeah. now. <laughs> I should have asked for that. <laughs> <laughs> so you get to the end of your um, your undergrad. You mm -hmm. realize you want to do counseling. Did you go straight? Did you go? I saw that you, you master's in social work, right? And then did you just go straight through into your doctorate program? Or did you go all the way through college? 
so no so i went from my undergrad i went right into my master's program master's Mm -hmm. in counseling and then between 2013 and 2016 i took a break so worked a little bit in the city and then i started my program in 2016 how long did it take you to finish it three and a half years that's a that's that's a before that's a you were early right it was it was a bit swift that's wow that's crazy that means wow. you're smart. He's underselling it. He has the record at his school for like completing his Not degree record, the fastest. Bro. Yeah. Wow. It's a big deal at his wow. institution. Wow. wow. Okay, humble brag. Yes. <laughs> humble. No, but, humble. But, but brag about it. I that's... need to get me a man that keeps record of all the things <laughs> that I don't do. But I do. I do. I do. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Thank Congratulations. Thank that's I mean, you're on it. So I mean, so you, you got out of that. What was uh the turning point as far as you gonna talk about a little bit about your work with youth? Yeah, so I work in multiple capacities. Predominantly, I work with, you know, the LGBTQIA plus community. Um, And I've had some clients who are youth, mean, and minors under the age of 18. Um, And it's been great, you know, working with uh, adolescents. I won't say children or or kids, but adolescents. It's really phenomenal to be there uh, in the trenches with them as they really come to terms with who they are as a person. And what's interesting and exciting and challenging Mm. with that is sometimes their parents aren't prepared for who they are as a person or who they're becoming. Right. So, so the, the interesting and exciting challenge with that is being able to be there with the parents too, you know, providing that psycho ed with the parents while um, encouraging them on ways to show up for their child in a way that's beneficial and healthy for their child. Is it, have you, met a lot of parents that are like i don't approve of this Mm. or how how do you Mm. parents really see you as a mental health counselor talking to their child for the parents that don't know what mental health counseling is i know a lot of parents don't even seek that themselves right so that's a great question i've had a variety of parents i have some parents who are like hey i'll I'll pay the bill when they show up great awesome i don't need to know anything and then Mm. i have some parents who are super involved like they want to check in once or twice a month you know i'm currently working with a family where the uh, youth is my primary client, but um, I'm having a session with him, and then two weeks later, I'm having a session with the family, and then a session with him, and two weeks later with the family. So they're very involved. Oh wow! Like they really want to be a part of the nurturing, a part of the progress. They want to make. They want to let the youth know that they actually care, and they want to be there to support them, which I think is a beautiful thing. Yeah, and then what, what demographic would you say um, that you work the most with? I majority work with people of color, okay. specifically black people. I like that. Which I think is amazing. Come on, black people seeking mental health Listen. counseling and care. Listen. That's important. Mm-hmm. We turn We're going to get corner. to that in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, you also do couples counseling, right? Right. So I, I see individual therapy for adults, but I also see couples. Um, I see uh, queer couples, same gender loving couples. I see heterosexual couples. I see biracial couples. But I'm really having a lot of fun with seeing. Um, recently, I started seeing a black gay couple, okay. black gay male couple, and that's just been phenomenal. Okay, that's great. Yeah, I um, I know that you said that before. You're trying to work more with that. Do you want to talk a little bit? I mean, this is going to be worldwide. So, sure. do you want to explain what you? specialize in you, you specialize in keeping them together that's right. the hope that's, that's the great. goal you know? right that's right. the goal and you come to me if you want to get broken up I'm that girl in the bathroom like leave him <laughs> he's bad for you I don't have a man you know the goal is that they, they want to stay or the hope is that they want to stay together mm. but there's some people you know they've gotten to that point where they're mm. actually better apart so mm. some of the times we're working on how can we um, 
resolve or dissolve their relationship mm. amicably. People mm. go to counseling mm. for that? Yeah. Absolutely. Reconcile. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. What's it called? I mean, Recon- I'm, I'm just recognizing right. as reconciliation of differences, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Oh, wow. And so you end up breaking people out. You're like, okay, it's like a fashion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just open to all possibilities, you know? I like that. <laughs> okay, I like that. Um, well, we're going to move on. I think that I feel like we're going to get some more questions about who sure. you are afterwards. We got, we got, you know, the sign out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to ask one question before we leave this. I'm going to ask one of the um, personal questions. What's your favorite quote? Oh, so my favorite quote is by Two Life's crew. Okay. Don't stop. Get it. Get it. Listen. <laughs> don't stop. It? Get it. Get it. Yes. I like that. Yes. You know, you know, you meet mental health counselors. You never know what they're going to say. But right. that mm. was a, that was, that was it. Can I tell you, um, that <laughs> quote was my mantra for mm. getting through my doc program. Really? When things got hard, don't stop. Get it. Get it. What was the hardest part of the program? The hardest part of the program was, um, I guess writing the dissertation. Oh, okay, sure. that's a book, right? I'm yeah, essentially. <laughs> How many pages is in this? What? What? I think mine. My dissertation is about 180. I could. I think I could do that. You could do it. I could. Did you write it all in one? Like you wrote it over time, right? Yeah, I wrote it over time. So I wrote it in phases. There's five chapters, okay. and so. That's great. Yeah. That's the one thing that kept me from pursuing any extra school is when they told me that I would have to write something. Like, <laughs> but I already wrote something. <laughs> I wrote a lot of things. <laughs> I don't want to do that again. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Queer Late Night. This episode is being brought to you by AIDS Healthcare Foundation. AHF is an LGBTQ affirming health organization here in New York State and city and also around the globe. AHF prides themselves in providing little to no cost services like HIV testing, STI screening, HIV treatment, PrEP services for little to no cost. They even have a pharmacy that you can fulfill your prescriptions in. If you're interested in AHF or you'd like to find out more about the organization here in New York City, you can text the code QLN. to the number 201-725-1328. Once again, that code is QLN21 at 201-725-1328. And if you're listening anywhere else in the United States or outside of the United States area, because AHF is global, you can go to their website at ahf.org. All right. Thanks for listening. I want to kind of ask you, a lot of people know what depression and anxiety is um in your own words in short short tandem um how would you describe each one of them and then how do you how do you describe when they work together sure that's a great question so if I, in my own words i would say depression is um focusing in on owning on or, or examining issues in the past mm-hmm. so in, in how i dif- differentiate between two depression often focuses on the past mm-hmm. and anxiety focuses on the future Ooh, yes. oh yes wow so um depression is you know experiencing sadness of either things that have happened in the past or experiencing feelings of things that have happened in the past or even current feelings mm. you know i don't i don't I think depression onset happens for different people for mm. different reasons. Yeah. Right. Some people are triggered by a scent, a sight or an experience where some people are just, they may be sitting in their room and it's like, Oh, I'm just not feeling well today. But yeah. what I will say about depression and anxiety, I don't think it just comes out of nowhere. Mm. Yes. I have a belief mm. that you may be triggered by something 
It may not be the day before, the hour before, the minute before. It could have been two or three days. Mm-hmm. And you're pushing it to the back of your mind or you're you're continuing with your day. We're all, you know, in New York City, so we're all like pumping through and powering through mm-hmm. yeah. and just getting shit done. But um when you have that moment to like actually decompress, it kind of creeps up on you, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. So it could have been something happening five days before, but you've been hustling and bustling and not having been able to sit with it. And I think that's what happens with depression and anxiety in a lot of cases. How do they, you know, uh, work together? Because when I was diagnosed with, well, the first time I got diagnosed, there's a lot of times, I was like, depression and anxiety, who are they? Mm -hmm. I was kind of embarrassed. And then I was like, why do I have to have both? I was like, no, I took the pill. I was like, you need to give me one. All right. But, um, and I guess the DSM and what I've done my research is that normally you don't get one without the other. Sure. Right. Mm. I don't know if that's true. True. That's why you're here. Right. <laughs> mm. I don't know if that's it happens all the time. I can't speak to that. But there are a lot of my clients who experience both, but they're both for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, things like um seasonal like affective disorder and things like that, which is used to be called seasonal depression, right? It's seasonal affective right. disorder. Mm-hmm. So good. That's what it's called now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so um i think i think there are different reasons for different things like a lot of clients that i'm currently working with are um young professionals working in new york city right so Mm -hmm. they may experience depression as it relates to let's say their dating life or dating experiences Mm -hmm. and they may experience anxieties a lot of it's stemming and triggering from their work experiences or work life so it happens for different reasons but i will say in a lot of my young black queer clients it it is a co-occurring thing they both can show up or they often both show up but i won't say that for everyone no um how would you I don't know. A lot of people, when they think of depression, anxiety, and then getting treatment, everyone's like, oh, I don't want to be on medication and pills. But Mm. what is your, I guess, testament to like approaching mental health with an open mind? Because not everything requires, and the TED Talk that I watch requires medication. Absolutely. So what do you, how do you feel about like that? I agree with you. I don't think everything requires medication. I do think, um, research shows that the best result of you know managing some of your symptoms your depression or anxiety is with a combination of medication management Mm. and talk therapy Mm, mm. but i think for most people talk therapy would be enough i Mm. I think what you know Mm. one of my 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 um goals why i do this work is to create the space for folks to have these conversations yeah because when you're talking to your friends or your family you know they have some they have some skin in the game so they're gonna they're gonna uh, hold you to a certain standard because they also have some benefit in it. Oh you know? no! They're like, "Girl, you'll be all right. Let's just go out." Yeah. So you, you're not <laughs> right. you're not really getting to talk right. through some of those things, right? Right. 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 No. And and in in the same token, you may not be willing to talk to your family and friends about these things because how will their perception of you change or mm. shift if at all? Mm. So. When I um I lived in Miami, oh Miami, terrible place. I <laughs> did not. I, I had a, I had a terrible time there for a lot of different reasons. I only lived there for a year, but that was the beginning of me like really uh, understanding and noticing that my life was in like the grasps of depression all often, and it was so not yeah. um, diagnosed well, sure. and I wasn't seeing counseling, and it was like taking control. And I didn't know how to open the conversation. In fact, I stopped talking to my family for two weeks to three weeks. And my mom was calling my job and stuff because I didn't know how it would be perceived to like, oh, you know, I think that 
I'm very depressed and it's not getting better. And that leads me to my next question is what is, I guess, there's never an appropriate way to say these things, but what's a good way if you notice you're experiencing this and you want to communicate it in any given relationship? Sure. That's a really good question. So one of the things that I immediately think about is um, intentionally asking people how they're doing. One of my biggest pet peeves is as someone asked me how I'm doing as a part of say as a form of saying hello. Right. Like you don't really care how I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You're just saying, How you doing? Like, I'm good. Okay, great, let's talk. No, like actually asking people how they're doing and normalizing it in a way that people are more comfortable and willing to actually talk about how they're doing. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. not just saying I'm good, but like I'm actually not doing very well right now. I was like, actually come sit down. I right. have something to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? And I think it as people I know that we often are gauging our friends and family to see what they actually can handle Oh yeah. so you may drop hints here and there and my clients do it all the time they'll drop hints here and there and if I'm not picking up the hint they're not going there because it's uncomfortable for them to have the conversation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So they want to check if you're comfortable or you're going to reject them or you're going to be willing to have the conversation. If you're not picking up what they're putting down, they're going to keep going as if, oh, I'm great. Oh, my God. I like that people. I used to be that way, but not anymore. I, I call Chris down here and I wait until she's sitting down and then I burst into tears and she's like staring at me like, but it's okay. Um, it's difficult because there's so much stigma around mental health and wellness is there especially i guess would you say the stigma around mental health and wellness do you see that you see it more in um black people or people of color that come to see you or have you how would you what do you see stigma mostly so i think i see stigma in the community and although as a society we're getting better Mm -hmm. at talking about uh, mental health especially within the black community and in the queer community but there's still stigma around it like what we were just talking about like how do you have the conversation with other people a lot of people who are um having difficulty having those conversations they're fighting the stigmas they're fighting the oh my god so because i'm experiencing depression that means i'm crazy you know because i'm experiencing mental health challenges that means no one's going to talk to me or people won't be around me or you know this means something about me Right. And we all experience challenges, yeah. but we're all not, not all of us are talking about it. So it right. seems like it's just a few of us, but we all get, we all have it. Would you say since, you know, before the pandemic, what did you, have you already, had you already graduated before the pandemic? I graduated during the pandemic. Damn. Do, okay. Wow. 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 That had to give you some time to like, really like. The pandemic helped me. I know that's right. Not me. <laughs> Not me. Sure. Um, has, it, has it been like a really big influx of people of color, especially people of color and people that are, you know, queer, the intersectionality of that? Has it been like people being coming Absolutely. to terms with like, I need to go see someone? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I think about is for, for, for black people, for queer people, it's been a really tough two years. Yeah. Right. We're in this new year. Um, And I think things are turning around, but it's been really challenging for us during the pandemic. And I find that a lot of people had to sit with themselves. Mm. Right. And so when you're sitting with yourself, you no longer can run. You can't run and hide from some Mm. of those, like, if you will, skeletons in your closets or demons that, you know, as New York City, uh, we we often (laughs) get to do other things and fill that void with other things or being out and seeing people and drinks and dinners. But when the city shut down, Uh. It was like awful girl. 
<laughs> Look in the mirror, girl. Let's talk about it. You wanted that time to deal with yourself. Here mm-hmm. it is. You got mm-hmm. a whole two years. Mm-hmm. So I did see an influx in um, clients seeking counseling. And then in addition to that, you know, the world was on fire. Mm-hmm. Not only were people losing people left and right, but th- we're talking about things like Black Lives Matter, where uh-huh. black bodies were being slaughtered yeah. on in the media left and right. So black people were experiencing multiple d- dimensions of challenges where we were like, Yo, this is yeah, a lot. Not only am I saying with myself, but like the world's on fire. Yeah, I right. mean, I dropped out of grad school and mm-hmm. I owe them money. You're never going to get it <laughs> <laughs> ever. But I was like, wow, I literally don't know how my job's going. Excuse me. And then on top of that, like I can't turn on the news or go through Instagram sure. or go through social media without feeling like I shouldn't have to say that my life matters. Sure. My life matters, but it's really it was really damaging. And Absolutely. I did see counseling. Excuse me, and it was helpful, but I don't know. I just want to like keep that little space open. That it's it's something that's important. That honestly, to identify these feelings and then um, seeking them, and then we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later. There's a lot of barriers, of course, to sure. getting mental health, but there's also a lot of ways to seek it on your own too. Sure. Can you be successful and manage um, mental health, anxiety, and depression? I think you absolutely can be successful. One of the things that I talk to my clients about are um, identifying triggers, but also identifying warning signs and warning signs can look like when your body is. So let's, let's start with triggers. Triggers are that thing, that smell, that experience, that person that quote unquote triggers you Mm -hmm. to, to have a certain kind of feeling or emotions. Warning signs are when your body's physically telling you something. You're having oh, yeah. headaches. You're having stomach aches. You're you're feeling nervous. You can't breathe. Um, one of the ways in which it works really well, I've had clients where we talk about triggers and warning signs. You ever get really, really angry? Like, you about to beat that bitch ass, right? Just last night. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so oftentimes when people are getting to that point where they're, they're having this explosive anger or reaction, it's almost like their body from their toes up is yeah. getting hot. Like you're boiling, you're filling, and then you get to the point where your head is about to explode, not literally, but figuratively. Mm. And so it's like being able to recognize, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm loading, I'm loading, I'm loading, I'm loading, I'm yeah. loading. At what point do you check in and you stop? What point do you uh, put some adaptive coping skills or put some interventions in place or something to stop it from happening and i would i would compare that to a depressive experience or an anxiety where it's a loading experience and the earlier you can recognize it Mm -hmm. the sooner you can intervene and so sometimes i talk to my clients about what are what are your bag of tricks tricks or your skills that we've talked about in the section right (laughs) in the session so whether it's phone a friend whether it's go for a walk whether it's workout whether it's journal whether it's you know decompress and reflect Mm -hmm. and process what's actually happening there are tools that we can use to be able to combat some of those um triggers and or warning signs when it pertains to anxiety and or depression so i do think it can be managed yeah you just have to be in tune with yourself um a question that comes to mind for people that live with like chronic 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 or heavier bouts of anxiety and depression those are disorders those are protected underneath the ada's um Mm -hmm. Should that be something they communicate with HR? Because I feel like, especially now with the world reopening, no one learned anything about how to treat their employees, right? They're like, oh, use the EAEP, uh, whatever, do your work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I feel like you should 
make people understand that this isn't necessarily working for me. And though you hired me and I have this position, and I'm sure. speaking for myself, don't act crazy with me. Sure. Because you never know. Sure. You know, I'm just kidding. But what what do you say? I mean, a lot of people actually are quitting their jobs. It's it's um you know, I read an article that said that more people are lo- looking to do things that are making them happy. Sure. When I went to do this, um, this show, the TED Talk was a, a lot of, it said that a lot of depression and anxiety came from mi- things that are missing in one's life. Mm. So I don't know, what would your advice be for people that are feeling like a lot of their depression and anxiety is surrounded by either their work or their relationships? Right, so I, I, th- I have a couple of thoughts. On one hand, I think about what does it look like to set boundaries with your employers, mm. right? And and I think oftentimes we don't set boundaries with, with our employers because you know they're they're you writing the check, me. right? Yeah. I, you're paying me to do a job and show up, but you're also not paying me to disrespect me and take advantage of me, right? Yeah. Mm. So what does it look like to set boundaries with them? Another thing that I think about is what does it look like for you to take care of yourself consistently? Yeah. And so um, I, I love TED Talks as well, and one a TED Talk I watched a while back talked about self-care isn't just oh getting my nails done or getting my hair done oh it's not Mm -mm, girl (laughs) it's it's multi-layered right i mean we're multi-layered human beings we're multifaceted so it's it's a spiritual piece there's a social piece there's a financial piece there's the emotional piece there's a physical piece and depending on what uh self-care platform or format you subscribe to there's a a, we can break that down even more so you may be getting your nails done and you may be doing your social life aspect but there are three or four different areas that aren't being met those needs Mm. aren't being met Mm. and so it's important for you to tune in and check in with yourself on all those different areas yeah um people can when you say spiritual a lot of people don't know what that means how did you how do you define spiritual sure so i think there's a a clear or for me mm-hmm. there's a difference between spirituality and religion okay right and i think a lot of people collapse them into the same thing mm. and so uh, spirituality for me is um subscribing to some kind of a higher power right. right even if it's like mother nature sure if that's how you want to subscribe and that's how you connect to other human beings and or to her earth that's totally fine did you awesome. hear that jamaican accent? i heard it the earth the earth <laughs> how long have you been practicing not the same <laughs> in my understanding spirituality isn't bridled by the constraints of a subscribed belief system sure. that being a religion exactly. right? it's it's more personal to you exactly i'm just now learning that yeah it's a long process but but it's important, it's important. we're talking about it yeah and it's good for other people too as well absolutely it, yeah it's, I because mean, religion can be damning it's a mm-hmm. great tool and a lot of us grew up with it and it's different flavors but a lot of it uh has given us our, our guilt yeah absolutely. but there are things to take from it that you know are are tools of enriching your own spirit right sure. and i feel like that's where the, the divide is sure but find that balance yeah i'm speaking for myself no spirit, i i spirituality and religion i just recently got back into well spiritual well, yeah religion. well either one of the two <laughs> i got back into being thankful i realized sure. that i got Gratitude. to the point sure. where everything needed to fall apart for me to go and search for um some type of spiritual um aspect mm. or um, rescuing and religious and i realized you know what maybe if i go back to where i used to be which is like thanking god every day hmm. the god that i believe in not the sure. one that i was taught in in baptist sure. church because mm. i don't mm-hmm. believe in that one i'm mm-hmm. like y'all made that one up <laughs> but the one i believe in it has brought me to the successes i've made so sure. far and Amen. as i began to get there i'm like you know what i 
there's other things in my life that I can just be thankful for and mm-hmm. I don't have to worry so mm-hmm. much about waiting for the next bad thing. Mm-hmm. Before we move any farther, I want just one last thing because I, I saw this on the internet and it came up when you were talking. Panic attacks are different from anxiety attacks. Mm. Can you mm. give us a clear like depiction of when it's time for you to clock out and go home because you're about to have a <laughs> panic attack? Mm. Mm. And then when it's time for you to clock out and go home because you're having an anxiety attack? Sure. So a panic attack uh, would be if someone was diagnosed with panic disorder, okay. right? Um, which is within the umbrella of anxieties. There are different forms of anxieties, okay. right? Just like there are different forms of depression. Um, or different diagnoses, if you will. Mm. So for me, a panic attack would be um, something that is triggered in which where your body feels like, you know, you're either having a heart attack, you can't breathe, you're not you're not able to, like you feel like you're literally physically feel like you're about to die. Mm. Yeah. Right? Um, and, I, and I think there are some people who use anxiety attack and panic attack interchangeably. Yeah. Um, and so in my mind, if I were to differentiate the two, an anxiety attack, if you will, is where you have increased anxiety feelings yeah. or increased anxious feelings, whether it's uh, you're about to do a presentation and there's like stage fright or fear or, or imposter syndrome that mm. you don't know what you're going to say or how you're going to say mm. it. Mm-hmm. I think um, it's it's precipitated by something that's going to happen where yeah. sometimes a panic attack can just come on because of either something that has happened or something has triggered you in the immediate Okay. At least that's how I, in my mind, differentiate mm-hmm. between the two. And that's how we're going to, that's how we're going to leave it on quick. That's wrong right? with it. That's why you're here. Um, well, I appreciate you opening up the first part of the conversation about mental health. I want to go back to, you know, working with youth. Do you see some of these things? How, how early on in young adolescence have you seen signs of depression and anxiety? Have you seen the kids of tomorrow? Mm. I mean, I you know. I the other day by one. It was fun. <laughs> Mm. I mean, so it it varies, right? I think of immediately um, the school system. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love people system. like kids are mean. <laughs> Absolutely. Kids are really mean. And I think with access to the internet mm. and YouTube and things like that, I think folks or children or mm-hmm. youth mm-hmm. are dealing with depression and anxiety at earlier and earlier ages. I agree. Kids are I no longer kids so anymore. Evident, truly. Yeah. Six, seven years old. I'm sorry to cut you off. You're, you're I, I have to interject because it's been heavy on my mind lately in thinking about how us as millennials, mm-hmm. we are part of such a unique generation where in our adolescence, our kind of later adolescence, we had technology introduced in sure. our life in the form of, we had the first text T9. messages to call me after nine. I, I got 50 texts I can send you, sure. you know, this yep. week, whatever the fuck. Um, we saw the first nudes happen. I remember in my high school, the school did not know how to do deal with nudes. Nudes being sure. sent. I mean, that the 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 trouble of it being underage porn, you know, sure. and kids using that to bully one another. How do you police that? Now that's out mean, of control. Out of control. The the cyberbullying and the way people talk to each other on the internet and that being the norm of how people communicate, especially Absolutely. from a young age. Oh, it tears them down. You know what I'm saying? It's corrupting their life because and I, I hate to say like it be sound anti technology, but it's so it's boomed so quickly in yeah. such a short amount of time. Look what it's done. Yeah. And how do we? How do we? It's, how do we get around that? It's put people in a dis- it put, it's putting it's it's put young adolescents at a disposition mm. of developmental growth. Yes, sure. I agree. Because Socially, They're especially. doing and seeing things on the internet by adults. Right, and, right. And they haven't gotten to that stage yet. No, Absolutely. no. So it's exactly. a whole puddle jump. And I feel I bad, but I'm like, right. that's why I'm gay. 
Try being gay and doing it. Right. <laughs> Just kidding. No, but it, it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess why, the reason why I asked that is because a lot of, you're doing a lot of great work mm-hmm. and being there for the youth is really important because I worked at the, LG, the LGBT, I almost stumbled over that word, the yeah, LGBTQ they, center and I would see a lot of youth and they really, really um, took advantage of having people like you in their sure. lives and that's really mm. good and I want to like, thank you for that because mm. a lot of kids don't have that. A lot of kids that I've seen, a lot of young adolescents, they're, they don't have anything. Sure. You mm. know what I mean? Like they either put out of their home or they fled to New York City mm. sure. for the lives they thought they saw on sure. the internet. Exactly. And now they're homeless and right. they're doing things for money that right. they didn't think they were going to have sure. to do. Right. So it's important to have people like yourself sure. in place um, helping them. So thank sure. you again. Mm-hmm. No problem. Hey, you're listening to Queer Late Night, a late night podcast that gives people from the queer community to share their insight they've learned along their personal and professional journeys. We're partnered with Pretty Easy Podcasting, and they're in charge of all the editing for this podcast. We are very much welcoming any type of charitable donations to help make this show become more accessible to queer community around the world. Continue to listen, support, like, subscribe, and share. I'm your host, Elle McCullers. What book are you reading right now? Uh, so I'm not reading a book right now. Thank God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I asked that question as if I'm going like, to have a rebuttal. I'm like, yeah, I read like a magazine earlier, the front of it, and put it back. Um, is, is there any... So what are you so, doing? So yeah. can I talk about a book that I've read recently? Yes. Uh, Go ahead. Have you guys ever heard of um, Abram Kendi? Uh, Stem from the beginning. It's it's Please a book that... Us. So it's a book that talks about... Um, colonization and okay. what um, the root of racism essentially not mm. only in the u.s but throughout the world and there there are various different um experiences in the u.s that um the author talks about in how it may not be overtly racist mm. but it's rooted in racism mm. and it, it really put um in my mind or it helped me to understand how this country has been like built not well i knew it was built on the backs of slaves mm-hmm. but it's been rooted or it's been created or the backbone of this country is to keep this separation mm-hmm. consistent mm-hmm. Right? yes you know mm-hmm. the haves being the have not and the have not mm-hmm. being people of color mm-hmm. and so it's really eye-opening it's something mm-hmm. that i've encouraged my students to read it's not on our required reading but it's something that I've encouraged them to read like for the last two or three semesters. And I love that. And that's great. Especially, the whole book? Especially yeah. with this new, and it's not new, but it's always kind of this right-wing talking point of, oh, we don't need critical race theory. Sure, exactly. It's not, a, it's not the matter of not yeah, needing critical <laughs> race theory. What the, the, in between the lines there is you don't want you, the People kids to know. know what happened, how it went down. That that's fucked up. How it went down and how it's still today. How it's still, still going down. Really going down. You Working know what I'm in absolutely a healthcare setting and seeing that I, because I have a full time job, I I have a stronger act connection to getting mental health care, any type mm, of care. Sure. Mm. When you look at the the Obamacare, the Medicaid, whatever you want to call it, mm. state to state, it puts so many barriers in care, sure. uh, uh, barriers to care in, in, in place, like. We're going to talk about ADHD in another mm. episode, but a lot of people can't get to the doctor that can, you know, diagnose them with sure. that because mm. their care doesn't take care of it. Sure. Because no one wants 
Every, Medicaid's being not Medicaid, but medical services is also one of the things they've used against people of color and the have not. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I digress. We're talking about you and mm. what you have. So, um, mm. who is your biggest inspiration? Mm. So, it's biggest inspiration in your your um, personal life mm. and professional. I read that. In the mm. Book. Mm. Yeah, mm. you got it. Uh, so, I'll say my biggest inspiration in my personal life is my father. Mm. Um, What's his name? Uh, we actually have the same name, so I'm a junior. Oh wow! Uh, so his name is also Alfonso. Uh, Alfonso Ferguson and so he's inspired me um, in just and what I would describe as soft masculinity um, in just in the ways in which he has been affectionate and caring it sounds and nurturing like it sounds and like loving. you had a good relationship we had an I, amazing I, relationship I applaud it thank you thanks because girl because a lot of us a lot of Absolutely. us queer people especially POC queer people uh, just can't relate Absolutely. <laughs> you know? can't I can't. My dad's my dad's supportive, but uh, not the gay thing. Right, 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 right. Um, and then who's Very your cool. uh, your your inspiration professionally? professionally. So what's really interesting, and I think that's a great question because I can't think of anyone professionally who inspires me. Um, to be because my vision for my life is you know one day having like a a show of some sort Mm. i want to be able to i want to be able to work with people on a larger scale i want to be able to normalize not only the mental health challenges that us as black queer folks like experience but also the ways in which we can be resilient right Mm -hmm. because i think there's Mm -hmm. this one this very monolithic narrative of uh queer people of color that i really want to challenge and so like i think of people like you know Dr. Phil or mm-hmm. Iyanla Van Zant, but I don't want to scream in someone's face. No, like, God, you know, yeah. don't do I'm not trying to drag you to help you. Like that, uh, but better. Right. <laughs> I'm surprised she never got beat up. There's oh. been a lot of times I was like, I'm so much a hitter. I'm like so surprised someone has. It, Dr. Phil's not a doctor though, right? He was. I was just listening to uh, mm-hmm. something about him. He started as a real doctor, like mm. a certified doctor, and then started peddling these homeopathic like shit that don't really work he got invested by the government actually because he was mm. selling so much shit that was like not helpful to people mm. <laughs> now he's now he's running, running for the senator of pennsylvania Oop. or something no oh, crazy okay. Okay. Well, that's all right all right so i want to give you the last bit of the show to sure. talk about organizations um any well, let's start first five things you can do at home as a coping mechanism to either depression or anxiety in your own person. Sure, sure, Mm. sure. So one of the things that immediately come to mind of the five things I would say is journaling. I think journaling can be really, really helpful. Um, Most people don't think about this, but I think what you put into your body is important too. So like the the things you eat, like dieting, Mm -hmm. um, drinking a lot of water, things like that. I think exercise is really helpful for a a lot of my clients. It's a big form of therapy for me. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know if we do this enough as either queer community or people of color, but uh, meditation. Hmm. What is that? Right, exactly. Mm. I could send you some apps. Is girl. that that? Is that that part of the um, Tina Turner movie where she's like, you know, <laughs> no, you're right right there. Right. That's <laughs> it, right? <laughs> that's the part. That's one form, right? <laughs> but you know, I think the at the root of it, it's like really taking time to sit with yourself, sit with your thoughts, allowing yourself the space and time to actually process some of those things that we're running from. Um, because what I talk to a lot of my clients is I don't want or what I hope for you is that you create these spaces to have and process these things because I don't want it to. Um, unfold or unravel in the uh 
least opportune times yes. and moments, right? That work. Right, right, right. right. Work or a meeting on your boss. <laughs> on your boss. <laughs> you must have read my book. Um, <laughs> was, that, was that all five? Uh, I don't remember, but sure. I feel like that was a good one. Yeah. If you're listening, there's, there you go. You can start right there. <laughs> um, and then um, organizations in which you support and that for either your youth that are listening or maybe other people that you want more people to lean in towards. Sure. That's a really good one. I can't think of a ton right now. You can help me if you want. Um, but I know there are the organizations that Didn't I've been connected to. to uh, have been more focused on people of color. Yeah. Um, and so one of them, you know, in, in New York City, Brooklyn specifically, that I think of is Global Trauma Research. Okay. Uh, and so they're a, um, a nonprofit agency based in Brooklyn, and they specialize in trauma care, mm-hmm. uh, working with, um, I don't, I don't want to say they have a specialty, but they definitely work strongly with the um, Afro-Caribbean community. Okay. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about the work we do in, in Haiti every year. Go ahead. Um, so we're, we're not going this year, which is actually really, really sad. Um, so the middle of the year or the middle of the month in December, we often went to Haiti for the last five years I've gone and we've done um, basic mental health workshops okay. for non-mental health professionals. Okay. Mm. And this was um, this uh, journey or this missionary work was started in reaction to the 2011 earthquake. Okay. Um, so what we've gone and we've done is we would do like four or five day trainings with like lawyers, doctors, pastors, educators, and just teaching them basic mental health skills. What is depression? What is anxiety? What is schizophrenia? Mm-hmm. How do you support someone who's going through depression or anxiety? Like, what are the resources that you guys have as a community? What other resources can we do? Let's get together and figure out ways to create like a resource list or a resource book so that you guys can help your community that much better. Mm. Right? So it's important. In, in a, in a mm. really, in a real way, we're de- destigmatizing the mental health um, stigmas within the Caribbean. Mm. Mm. Uh, so global trauma research GTR is a really good one and I think you know, not, not not necessarily a list of ones mm-hmm. but I think there's several organizations within the city that's doing the phenomenal work right yeah. now there's um, the center I know that the center um, excuse me they offer mental health counseling to mm-hmm. people living with HIV mm-hmm. I think they also mental, offer mental health counseling to um, on a sliding scale for people that don't live with HIV, and I know that they have definitely have mental health counseling for youth and young adults. I think ending at the age of twenty three. Do not quote me. You can go on their website <laughs> to to do that. And I mean, I work at Housing Works. I'm pretty sure there's opportunities there. Sure. Um, and you know, a lot of people are going back to work. The one thing I never do, which is it sucks because I pay into it, is I don't utilize the employee assistance programs. Mm. There's a lot in there. So absolutely, this, there is at least what five or six counseling sessions with yep. a professional, and you can talk to them in the beginning to see if you can do a sliding scale or yep. what their cost will be after the company pays for your session for the year. So that's one way. Um, and then you know what? Maybe you need to go off on your boss. Unemployment is not that bad. <laughs> I mean, come on. I'm not a doctor. Do not try to sue me. Um, <laughs> we're, we're at the end of our show, and, and every and then once again, <sighs> okay, coins. Uh, she has a coin machine, but she don't got no. Okay. <laughs> um, it's been a pleasure having you. What, what else can I ask? What's one last thing? What would you like to continue to contribute or expand your contribution on? 
great question. So, so there's a couple of things um, to me and to my husband. So in five years, uh, so my husband and I, we actually also have an interior design company. Oh, wow. You guys um, are doing that too? Yeah. <laughs> you know, cute. there's never enough time. Wow. Uh, so we Very have an interior cool. design company. It's called Handsome Styling. Okay. And so in five years, our hope is to like expand that company and bring some folks on so that we're not doing all the groundwork ourselves. Mm. Hopefully get a little HGTV show or something like hey. that. A cute oh. coin. That yeah. would- Okay. That is so nice. And you guys, and I saw the pictures on the website. It definitely read HGTV. And I said to myself, they, I love I love HGTV. Mm-hmm. That's how I got, you know, how I got to this one. I love watching it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's easy read. You guys should be on there. Yeah. And it's a good sell, too. You do mental health counseling. And right. You're, you're a licensed, um, not licensed, but you do. I do coaching coach. and, yeah, professional mm-hmm. development. Very oh, cool. Right. Very cool. And I'm out here dating losers. <laughs> I'm going to have to have you back on to find out how I can find a man. <laughs> um, it's been a pleasure working. Our guests find Same. you. you you're, you're, full, you're booked up right now. Everybody's done. Took up all your time. Do you have open slots of people in New Jersey want to come and see you? If in New Jersey and or New York. Okay. I'm, I'm licensed in both states. Do they need, wow. to, do they need to have a car to come see you? No, so so. <laughs> thanks to the pandemic, I've been seeing clients predominantly virtually right uh, now. Okay. Yes. So that has freed up my schedule. Typically, I was only seeing clients once or twice a week. Now okay. I'm three to four days. Oh, right. So in addition to my other hustles, mm. yeah. um, there's always space. Have you taken a vacation or some time yeah. off? Yeah. Where are y'all going? Um, well, so about a month ago, we were in Madrid. Uh, and that was great. Um where are we going next? Well, we're we're planning to be in somewhere else for New Year's. We Very just haven't good. decided yet. Somewhere warm. PV. Maybe. PV. Yeah, Puerto. Puerto. Say it with me. Puerto. Puerto Vallarta. Puerto Vallarta. Okay. Got it. Where can they find you on social media? So you can find my professional account. It's Doctor Alfonso Ferguson or at Doctor Alfonso or Doctor. Yeah, at Dr. Alfonso Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Um, my personal account is private. Boundaries, yeah. you know? Yes, um, boundaries. Don't like tell that. Me. I like that. <laughs> don't, don't hit me up. Or, or you can find us at our design account. It's called um, at Call Us Handsome. Dude, because I, I don't understand. I know you're looking at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> when you think about interior design, is that like y'all like do the walls or do y'all just come in and like give me some new pillows? How invasive? <laughs> oh, great question. So, um, it's a little bit of everything. So when we, we may not do the actual painting of the walls, mm-hmm. but we're picking the wall colors, we're designing from the ground up, meaning if it's a new construction, we're choosing the floors or the tiles, we're picking the closet organization, we're picking the rug, we're picking the bed, we're, we're designing it from the beginning to end. We I may like not that. do all the manual labor, we're trying to get away from that. Yeah. But wait, we, you've been doing the manual labor? We used to do mm. the painting mm. and the installations and the picking it up at the store and delivering it to the house. Oh, and putting it, that know. sounds nice. That, a couple that works together. <laughs> I'm a, I'm offended. Let's end this. <laughs> How dare! <laughs> it's been a pleasure having you. Thank you for having onto me. the show. Um, if you're listening to the show. You know, going into 2022, it's really important that you prioritize mindfulness, uh, your mental health and your mental well-being, making sure that you have one, the social circle and the chosen family around you that support you in these in these situations and that you feel 
that you are supported beyond what you have. If you're in a situation where you're at, you know, you're at a job that pays the bills and I, I, I didn't mean don't quit your job, mm. but also don't be afraid to start looking for a new chapter. The mm. biggest thing that hold people back is the fear of the unknown. Mm. So sure. go ahead and do it. Try something differently. I literally have friends all over the the country that have quit their jobs. Yes, they have, sure. but they've leaned, they took all that energy and all that frustration and depression they got rid of it and they put it into what they really want to do and that can be anything from going back to school to starting a new project to opening your own business but don't be afraid of failure failure happens all the time you can mm -hmm. get right back up like i always tell myself i've been broke poor homeless before and i did not die right. neither were you um, if you like this episode, you can definitely reach out to Dr. Alfonso, or you can also go on different websites. Um, I'm not going to say them because they're not paying for this podcast, mm -hmm. but you can go, girl, you got Google, right? <laughs> um, it's been, once again, a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to season two of Queer Late Night. Thank you, Ricky Roman, for coming downstairs. Thank you for having me. You're always. welcome. And thank thank you, you to our guests and his lovely fiance, husband, husband. husband. What's one of their, you're going to hit the nail it's on the head somewhere. Husband. I did the research. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys We're so much. We're grateful to you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Good night.